Good evening. I hope you're doing well. I have been very eager to join in on this series on knowing God. And tonight, I'm going to talk to you about one of my favorite topics. Thank you, uh, Jim, for assigning this to me, uh, which is knowing God by the Holy Spirit or through the Holy Spirit. Uh, I want to establish some things tonight uh, doctrinally and uh, also talk about how we can know God through the Holy Spirit. But let me, let me start this evening uh, by telling you something about how I got saved or what, I, what was on my heart when I got saved. Uh, like many of you, I had a, I had a decent home life, but I, I was relationally aching at the time I, I, I became a believer. Uh, I had that hole in my soul that the preachers talk about. St. Augustine said, our, Lord, you have formed us for yourself, uh, and that we are, our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. And that's how I was. And so when, when somebody began to preach the gospel to me and told me that Jesus wanted to have a relationship with me, that God wanted to know me and have a relationship with me, I mean, I was excited about avoiding hell, and I was excited about all the other things that the preachers talked about. You, you understand, you know, that, that God would change me and could get me over my problems and so on. But the idea that the God who created the world wanted to have a relationship with me was just overwhelming to me. And that's what I wanted. That's what I got saved on. You know, we all, we all get saved on the whole gospel. You know, when we hear it and we have it preached, you know, we want to commit our lives to Jesus. We want to surrender. We want that life-for-life life exchange. But there's usually one, one thing in addition to that that the, that, the, that the evangelist is talking about that hooks us. You know, God loves us or he can, he can free us from what's holding us bound. And for me, it was the idea that I could have a relationship with God, that I could know him. That, that I would actually have a closeness with the living God. I, I, I wanted to know him. I wanted to hear his voice. I wanted to know what he was thinking. I wanted to walk with him in this life. I wanted him to fill out my loneliness. I wanted to be fulfilled in him. And I wanted to partner with him for whatever it was he wanted me to do. And when I got saved, I actually got saved at Oral Roberts University. I'll tell the story some other time. I largely got saved because I walked on campus to be a student and as an unsaved kid went and played basketball and, um, and some little twerp kept on fouling me. And I think I've told this story before and I hit him and knocked him out. Um, this was three hours after walking on campus and the little twerp turned out to be the dean of men. So it went three hours of walking on campus, I had knocked unconscious the dean of men. So... Now you got 6,000 students praying for the pagan who tried to kill the dean of men. And two days later, I got saved. I'll tell you the full story some other time. Um, and because it was ORU and because that's sort of a charismatic environment at that time, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was also emphasized. So I got the full smear. In fact, I actually got led to Jesus by Oral Roberts. So I am certifiably saved. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we're not sure about some of you, but we're sure about me. All right? No, I'm just messing around. So... But what happened was, and I, I don't mean this as any criticism, uh, because I was, we were at a charismatic university and the gifts of the Spirit were flowing and cool things were happening, I began to understand the Holy Spirit as sort of the servant power of God. Okay? He was sort of goosebumps. You, you know what I'm saying. Oh, I feel the Spirit. How do you know? Bumps are big. You know what I mean? That, that kind of thing. Um, I don't mean to be insulting. He was a power that came when we worshiped. He was the static electricity that did something. You know what I mean? He, he, was, he was a force. He was the force. In fact, uh, I, won't, I won't go off of this for 45 minutes, but I saw the first Star Wars in the middle of my time at ORU. 
And so I just decided that that was the Holy Spirit, that the force was the Holy Spirit until I said that in front of Oral Roberts and almost got hit. So, but that was, that was my understanding. May the force be with you. Ooh, the force is strong on that one. You know, that kind of stuff. I won't do Yoda right now, but I'm just saying that I was impressed by that movie. And I got all confused about who the Holy Spirit was. But always in my head, he was this force, this static electricity, something you felt in your body, the third song in. You understand what I mean. When things got exciting, that was the spirit. But, but, but what happened was that in not fully understanding who the Holy Spirit was, I also dimmed or damaged my ability to know God the way that I had longed to know God. And so I spent a lot of years in my Christian life longing to know him better, but missing the means he had given me to know him better, which was the Holy Spirit. Because I had him down as the static electricity of God or the thing that produced goosebumps or the power that came to do whatever the preacher said or had preached, uh, I missed the fact that the Holy Spirit was here to reveal Jesus to me and to bring me into that relationship that I wanted. So I, I, I want this evening to share very briefly, and I won't go long, but I want to share very briefly some ba biblical basics, some truths about who the Holy Spirit is. And if you are making now some of the mistakes that I was making then, tonight's a great time to change that and to ask the Holy Spirit to come into a, a greater relationship with you. In fact, he's already there offering that relationship. It's you he needs to sort of fine-tune so that you tune to him, okay? There's a great verse uh, in, in, uh, that Paul uses as kind of a, a, a greeting or blessing as he finishes a chapter. It's in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Okay, and, uh, and here's what Paul says. You probably even said these words. It's a fantastic greeting. Some of you may sign your letters off or your emails off this way. May the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's that last phrase, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let me teach you a Greek word. Uh, the word fellowship there is, the, is a Greek word, koinonia. Spell the word koin with a K and then O-N-O-N-I-A, koinonia. It's very simple, koin and then O-N-O-N-I-A, koinonia. And what it means is, it, you may, if you already know that word, you know it because somebody was probably teaching about fellowship and our relationships with each other. But the word actually means to have things in common with someone to have things in common, okay? To share in common. If I have dinner with some of you and we're sitting at a table and we're sharing, we're taking food from the same bowl and we're talking and we're sharing that moment, we are having what the Bible describes as koinonia. We are having a common experience, right? Uh, if, if, at home, you pop up the popcorn, get a soft drink, watch a movie together as a family. You're having a common experience. Everyone is sharing the common experience. That word in Greek, koinonia, is what that means. Now, it gets translated in English, fellowship and, and uh, you know, hanging out or whatever. You know, one of the slang Bibles uses the word hanging out. And that's pretty close. But it really means to share, to have in common. Okay? Husbands and wives have a life in common. Families have a life in common. Friends have a life in common. An entire nation can have some experiences in common, you know, through media and so on. But it's what we have in common. Now, what's interesting here is that Paul, in this blessing in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, says, may you have koinonia, this having in common experience, with the Holy Spirit. 
This is not the only time this is said in the New Testament. It's said repeatedly that the Holy Spirit has been sent in part so that you can have your life in common with him. Now, the reason that's important in the context of us talking about knowing God is that Jesus made it very clear. I love I loved the power of what Jesus said when he announced to the disciples that he was sending the Holy Spirit. He's begun in, in, in the latter part of the book of John, along about 14, 16, chapters 14 and 16. He's begun to tell his disciples, you know, I'm going to have to leave and it's not going to be pretty. I'm about to have to die. I'm going to be persecuted. You guys are going to be persecuted. There's some ugly stuff about to happen. But don't grieve. You're grieving. You're sad. I understand that. It's good that I go. In fact, in the King James, it says it's better that I go. Why? Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, I think if any of us in this room were taking a vote, we probably would say, I'd rather have Jesus right here, right, right next to me in the, in the chair next to me. But I think that Jesus knew better. And he said, it's better for me to go because I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And he will reveal to you what is mine. And then Jesus goes on to say, what's mine, I receive from the Father. So the Holy Spirit is given to us to reveal the things of the Father. And that's actually better than Jesus being with us bodily. That's not Stephen's opinion. That's what Jesus said. It is better that he is sent to us so that we can know the Father better. And that means there's some power I'm not experiencing. Because if Jesus walked down this aisle, I would think, thank you, Lord, you sent Jesus. He's come back and now I can really see you. But that's not how Jesus thought. Jesus thought, I'm staying away so the Holy Spirit goes. That's going to be better for you. Now, none of the disciples understood it at the time, and many of us have a hard time understanding it, but that's what the Holy Spirit was sent to do. Now, let me establish some, some fundamental truths that will help us to kind of up our game when it comes to knowing who the Holy Spirit is. First of all, it's very important for us to know that the Holy Spirit is God, now, we have a religion that has a mystery at the heart of it, and I'm not going to be able to explain it tonight. I'm sure that Professor Paul is an awesome professor. He's not going to be able to explain it. Why? Because it's a mystery, okay? Pastor Brett is one of the best preachers I've ever heard. Can I get an amen on that? Come on, we can have fun with that. He's not going to be able to express it, which means Jim Critcher. I mean, you know, what can I say? <laughs> Just say. I had, oh, no, 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 I had, I had lunch with him this afternoon, and now, it, now it's payback. I said, why would you insult the man who's going to have a microphone in front of him? I don't understand. It's a mystery. God is one, and God is three. And I, my Commodore 64 brain does not understand that, but I believe it. You can talk to me about clover leaves. You can talk to me about water, steam, and ice. You can use all the illustrations you want. You can reach back into history. There's still a does not compute, right? There's not enough RAM, gigs, speed, whatever to work. The chips aren't right. I'll never understand it, but I accept it. The Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the Trinity, so you have God manifested himself, this is not technically correct, but it's the way I want to say it for now, in three ways. There's God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that Jesus is in a human body, so he's in heaven. But he sent the Holy Spirit to us, and that Holy Spirit is God. 
And we know also, I want to make this very, very clear, that the Holy Spirit is not just a force. He's not just a static electricity. He's not just a power. Uh, he, he's not just, you know, just, just the, the potentiality of God, some people have, have described it as. He's a person. He's a person. <coughs> Excuse me. He has desires. I'm not going to go into all these verses, but I'll just mention them to you. Romans 8, 5 mentions his desires, the desires of the Holy Spirit. Okay? He has a voice. Acts 13, 2 specifically mentions the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking in Antioch. He has a will, Acts 15, 28, uh, and 16, 6 through 7. I know I'm saying them quickly, but he has a will, okay? He has feelings. There are things that he feels. There are things that grieve him. There are things that seem good to him. Okay, that's Ephesians 4, 30. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. But we have a relationship with, look at this, look at this. Awesome. Does that come with any food of any kind while I'm up here? <laughs> Thank you. That was great. So what has happened is that Jesus has gone to the Father, but he has sent God in spirit form into our lives. Now let me put together the things that I've said this evening so that before we move on any, any further. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is it is better that we have him than that we have Jesus in bodily form walking with us all day. It's hard for me to believe, but it's true. And he wants to have our lives in common with us. He wants to share and have in common our lives. That's what it means in the Bible when it says live in the spirit, walk in the spirit. Essentially what it's saying is live your life in commonality with the spirit. And we have, and I don't mean to be in any way insulting, we have a little bit of uh, what our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, we have a little bit of their thinking that the Holy Spirit comes and he leaves, right? So, so some of you may have said, and this is fine, I'm not, I'm not on anybody's case, you may have been at work today and you may have thought, man, I cannot wait to get in worship tonight to get in the spirit, Right? And I understand that there's a concentration of the Holy Spirit and an intensifying of his presence and his power when we worship. The Lord comes and enthrones himself on the worship of his people. I understand that. But our failure, and certainly my failure, has been to believe that somehow when I go out and live the rest of my life, I'm not in the Spirit or he's not having in common uh, the life with me that I'm living. We don't go in and out of the Spirit. We are at all times in the presence of the Lord, and the Spirit is always with us. Now, he comes in power. There are intense times. You know, sometimes people get so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit that they faint, what have you, or pass out, or the Holy Spirit comes upon them. We, we, I'm sure you've studied all this and been taught all this, but what I'm going for now is that we begin to understand that God desires that we live our lives in a commonality, in a relationship with the Holy Spirit that then allows him to reveal himself, his will, his thoughts, his feelings, his ideas to us and guide us and direct us and empower us for the lives that we're called to live. I want to live an exceptional life in a dark and perverse generation. I want to live an exemplary life. I can only do that if I am living in the Spirit and I know God. I remember when I first became a Christian and someone said, the Lord told me. 
I was freaked out. The Lord spoke. I mean, you know, you got to understand. I mean, that, that's, that, we really need to recover how powerful that is. The God who, I, was, I remember sitting there as a freshman in college. The God who spoke the universe into being created even the aardvark. You understand what I'm saying? Created even cats, right? I mean, uh, actually cats are God's way of showing us that demons can indwell animals. I'm just, but you see, Brett, that's how you lose half the room and keep the other half. He created all that stuff and he spoke to you. I wasn't doubting it. I just thought that they should glow in some way or their eyes should illuminate or it should be something I'd seen in a movie or they should levitate six inches off. I mean, I just thought, God, you know, you understand where I was. I was just, just enamored of God. He's in a relationship with us. This is awesome. You know, and if somebody got healed or something, I lost my mind. The living God is down here with us stinky people. Now I understand that the Spirit of God, again, yes, you can feel him. Yes, it might produce goosebumps. Yes, you, you know, I'm not denying all the other stuff. I'm saying he's just not only that. He is Jesus living our lives in common with us. Yes, to empower us. Yes, to guide us. Yes, to give us wisdom. Yes, to speak to us so that miraculous things happen and so on. But to reveal the Father to reveal the Father, to show us who he is. And me thinking he's only static electricity or he's only something that happens on the third song with the lead guitar part, right? Because I got an Eric Clapton thing in my head spiritually. Or, or whatever it is that I'm thinking, that limits him. That limits him. What I need, what we all need, is to recognize that the Spirit of God has been sent to us to reveal the Father in all of our life. Tell us what the Father has to say. Empower us. Yes, spiritual gifts. Yes, prophetic activity. It's all great, but not just that. Don't hear me putting it down. Just hear me saying if that's all he is, is empowering, then we cease to treat him as a person. Do you follow what I mean? If Brett comes out on Sunday morning, Pastor Brett, and he preaches, and then we put him in a box at the side of the stage, right? And we wait until next Sunday, bring him out, let him preach another Sunday, we put him back in a box. Well, that's abuse. That's terrible. That's not treating him like a human being. That could be the way many of us are relating to the Holy Spirit. He does things at a certain moment because we want him to do it, but we're not having a relationship with him. I'm in a relationship with my wife, a relationship. It's wonderful. I love her. We're crazy about her. And so I find myself saying a lot, honey, what would you like? That was not intended to be funny, but if you want to laugh, you go right on. I know. What would you like? Why? Because I'm living with a human being. I'm living with a person who has a mind, a will, and emotions, which is part of the definition of, a, of an entity. Uh, I, I'm living with a person who has desires, okay? I'd like for some of those desires to be known a little faster in the universe. You know what I'm saying? Restaurant decisions don't have to take three hours, but okay, honey, I'm hanging here, right? But the fact is I'm living with somebody who has feelings, who has an emotions, who has emotions, who's, who's alive, who I have to relate to as a human being. I don't bring her out of a box to cook dinner, love on me, you know, clean the house and put her back in her box until I need something from her. No, I'm living in a relationship with her. She has, that's all right, go ahead. She has things to say about a lot of stuff. And I love it. I love it. 
I did not choose this shirt this morning when I got on the... I didn't. I chose another shirt that apparently was a blasphemously bad choice. And then I was led to righteousness. You understand what I'm saying? So you receive the Holy Spirit when you're saved. Remember when Jesus breathed on the disciples after his resurrection and said, receive the Holy Spirit? You get the dose of the Holy Spirit when you're saved. Then we believe, of course, that there's this additional experience, which can happen at the same time and sometimes doesn't, called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is an overflowing of that power in the Holy Spirit, uh, an, an endowment, a powerful uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, largely for ministry to others. That's the context in which it comes, but it brings other things. Then uh, there, there is the Holy Spirit uh, can refill you and empower you at certain moments, and all that's great. All that is marvelous and fantastic, and, and, and it's part of the empowerment for the human life. But what I think we often miss and what the, what the church of Jesus often misses is that there's all of that is by way of bringing the Holy Spirit into our lives so that he can replicate the life of Jesus. Replicate the life of Jesus. And I don't mean to go negative with you at all, but I do want to say that part of what's going on in our world is that when the world looks at the church, it doesn't seem to find the Jesus who quickens their heart, who makes them hungry, uh, who, who, who makes them desire. I, 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 want, I want people to see, look, see the church and to say of us what they said of the disciples in the New Testament. They looked upon these and saw that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Because I'll tell you, some of the people who are most angry and critical of the church, I don't mean this church, but the church worldwide, are people who want Jesus to be real and transforming but haven't found it yet and aren't sure that we know anything about it, right? So if we'll take that Jesus out there, they're ready to receive. They're just not going to come here and be in church. That's all there is to it. So the real Jesus, what does that Holy Spirit do? He transforms. I'm just going to give you a quick overview. He reveals. Come back to that in a minute. He purifies. He, uni he unifies. We all know that. We talk about that a lot. He teaches. He's the teacher, the Holy Spirit. He guides. He empowers. In the Bible, in the Old New Testament, the book of Revelation and Isaiah, when it talks about the sevenfold Spirit of God, these are seven different ways the Holy Spirit manifests. Things like the Spirit of holiness, or the Spirit of power, or the Spirit of sonship. These are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But the ultimate purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the things of God to you and transform you into the image of Jesus so that what he's revealing and who you are become one. You follow what I'm saying? And I want to I say something to you that, I, I, that I comes more out of my heart's cry, perhaps, but I think some of you share this, and that is that I don't want you to give up on knowing him. I want to challenge you today. Don't give up on knowing him. You know, I, I've spent a lot of years in, in ministry. I pastored for, for decades, and I speak and preach a lot now and so on. And I finally went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, if, if, if all that I'm ever going to have is a relationship with you, like you are a distant relative emailing stuff to me, what should I preach this week? What should this chapter of a book be like? Uh, where should my wife and I you know, go to do so-and-so? That kind of thing. If it's just going to be information given distantly, then I want to say that something is wrong. Not because I say so, but because your word says that I will know you. 
that I will have a relationship with you. One of the things Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 and also in 3 was that we would know the love of God. And he used the Greek word, which means to know it by experience. To know it because we're with the person. To know it because it's actually the experience of our lives. I don't want a distant relationship with Jesus. I didn't, I didn't get saved so that I could just dream about him uh, one, one, you know, the way it's going to be one day when I'm in heaven. I want him to reveal the Father to me. I want to see who Jesus is. I want to know God. I want to know him in the sense of that word that Paul used, the idea that I know him by relationship. I want to, I want to have relationship. For example, I, I just met Paul on this stage in that, in that moment when I asked him to pray, but I've known Brett for years. I have knowledge of Brett through relationship. I'm going to have knowledge of Paul through relationship that I don't have yet. I want, you follow what I'm saying, I don't want to just know about him. I just don't want to receive the occasional email about what to preach or what to say or that kind of thing. I want to know him. I want to bask in his presence. I want to lean my head on his breast. I want to know what he feels. I want to know what he's thinking. I want to feel his compassion. I want to feel his brokenness for what's happened in London. I want, to, I, want to, I want to weep for things. I want to feel him. I want to know him. I want to have a relationship. I don't want to have to rev things up. You understand what I mean? I, I don't want to step into the spirit and, 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 or, or, or feel like if I'm not a, listening to a certain combination of songs on a playlist, you know, that I'm not going to get the proper goosebumps to be holy today. I don't want that kind of thinking. I want to know him. You've been hearing about knowing God. Well, now, I guess I'm, maybe I'm opening up another chapter here. That's what Jim intends is that now some other people will come and bring other pieces of this. But bear in mind that the Holy Spirit who filled you when you were born again, the Holy Spirit who filled you perhaps again when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who has come on you perhaps when you're doing things in ministry and, and empowered by Jesus to do wonderful things, that Holy Spirit, Whatever other wonderful things he's bringing to your life, whatever addictions he broke, whatever things he changed in your life, whatever things he did for your family or for your loved ones, whatever thing you've seen him do as he moves here in this congregation, he is not finished until he is revealing God to you and until you are being changed to be able to receive that revelation. So let me land this practically in just in the next few moments. It's not him who needs to change tonight. It's us. He wants to have a life in common with you. He wants you and your spouse to have a life in common with him. That the Holy Spirit pervades your marriage and your home. Might mean some change. Might mean some change. You know, I, I pick on Bev a lot because Bev's very artistic. My wife is a, a producer in Nashville, and she's very uh, artistic. But when she comes to bed at night, if I'm already in there, everything in the room has to change. I've got some men going like this, and their wives are punching them like, don't you shake your head here in this church. The lights have to change. She'll probably say something like, we're watching this, which means we're not watching this. Um, you know. <laughs> She wants me to move the 96 pillows that we women tend to put on beds, you know, to just, I don't know where that came from. Um, but, you know, and, and the temperature's going to change and the windows are going to change. I may have to change PJs. You understand what I'm saying? The room is going to change. Bev has arrived. I don't mean to paint her like a tyrant. She's just artistic. I, I walked in, whatever, plop down, gym clothes I got up in. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. I don't care, you know. 
She's like, you wearing that? Oh, please, Jesus. You know, the whole, the, the whole thing's going <laughs> to. And I don't mean to make it weird and goofy, but this is what the Holy Spirit may require in your life. You can't, you can't be watching nasty stuff on HBO and have the Holy Spirit pervading your home. You understand? You know, you know that. You know that. You can't be saying the latest cool thing in the language that the latest cool thing's being said and have the Holy Spirit pervading your life in common. He wants to be in your job. He wants to be in your car. He wants to, be, he wants to share your life in common. That's where real leadership comes from. That's where you sense the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's where you become empowered. That's where that energy that works so powerfully in Paul works powerfully in you. And that's where Jesus begins to be revealed in a way that is just transforming. Let me say what should happen in this church, and you know that I speak recognizing that I'm not telling anybody what to do. All of us should be having experience with Jesus by the Holy Spirit all week. And when we come here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whenever we get together for conferences, it ought to be an explosion of the revelation and the insight and the empowering of what we've had as we've shared our lives in common with him. So would you take the bold step of asking the Holy Spirit to make you aware of his sharing in common every aspect of your life? Some of you have long drives. That's, that's, ground, that's a wonderful place for the Holy Spirit to land as you're driving to work. And, and some of you got jobs, you're like, Jesus has never heard of this job. I've never felt his presence, you know. I'm going to have to send him an email to tell him that I'm over here in this. You know, I, mean, I understand how that feels. Come on, I've had jobs. I've beheaded chickens and made pizzas and I've done it all. But he wants to have your life in common. Brett now knows I've, been, I've beheaded chickens. I'll be doing that before. No. But take the step of recognizing that Jesus is here by his spirit. He wants to have your life in common with you. And he's God. He's God. And that's how we, that's at least part of the way we know him. I'm sure you've been here in Austin. I've heard most of them teachings about the way God moves and his ways in your life and the way he reveals himself and, the, and all of that. And that's absolutely, it's all part of a whole. But if we neglect the fact that Jesus sent the spirit to make the things of God known to us, we're going to not only be doing it the hard way, but we're going to miss his primary, I'll use the word conduit for the revelation of God and the transformation of our lives. Father, in Jesus' name, would you make us all bold to welcome the Spirit of God more fully into our lives at a practical and real level. You want to be in our parenting. You want to be in our romantic lives. You want to be in our jobs. You want to share and have koinonia with us in every area of our lives, the pretty areas, the unpretty areas, the challenging areas. You want to change us because we're destined to be conformed to his image. And you want us to drink deep of that Spirit of God and share our lives. Would you give this church, every person who identifies here, every person sitting in this room, would you give us a greater common life with the Spirit of God? Yes, we want miracles. Yes, we want transformation. Yes, we want deliverance. Yes, we want the knowledge gifts to know what's going on in situations where we couldn't know it naturally. But open our eyes, cause us to see Jesus, cause us to know God through Jesus, and cause us to declare that God, revealed by the Holy Spirit, shown to us by Jesus, to a dark and dying world. 
This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said,